0: Book 2, Chapters 4 through 6 of The Consoling Thoughts of St. Francis de Sales by Jean-Joseph Huguet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Consoling Thoughts on Trials of an Interior Life, Infirmities of Soul and Body. Chapter 4, Perplexity of the Heart, Which Loves Without Knowing Whether It is Loved it sometimes happens that we have no consolation in the exercises of holy love so much so that like deaf religious we can neither hear our voice in the choir nor enjoy the sweetness of our chant moreover we are annoyed with a thousand fears disturbed by a tremendous hurly-burly which the enemy raises round our heart suggesting to us that perhaps we are not agreeable to our master and that our love is useless or even false and vain since it produces no consolation we labor then not only without pleasure but with extreme difficulty seeing neither the good of our labor nor any content that it can afford to him for whom we labor but what increases the misery is that the mind and reason cannot give us any kind of relief for the superior part of the soul being completely surrounded by the suggestions of the enemy is in the greatest alarm and is kept busy in guarding against being surprised by any consent to evil so that it cannot make a sortie to set free the inferior part of the soul and though it does not lose courage yet it is so fiercely assaulted that if it is without blame, it is not without pain. For to fill up the cup of its misfortune, it is deprived of that general consolation which accompanies nearly all the other afflictions of this world, namely, the hope that they will soon end. The heart, in these spiritual conflicts, falling into a kind of inability to think of their termination, and consequently being unconsoled, by hope faith indeed residing in the summit of the soul assures us that this trouble will end and that we shall one day enjoy repose but the terrific noise and shout raised by the enemy throughout the inferior part of the soul almost drowned the voice of faith with its warnings and encouragements leaving only on the imagination this sad reflection i shall never be happy alas how afflicted is the poor heart when it seems abandoned by love which it seeks for everywhere and cannot find we do not find it in the exterior senses for they are incapable of retaining it nor in the imagination which is cruelly tormented by a variety of impressions nor in the reason which is troubled with a thousand obscure lights and strange apprehensions but at last we find it in the very summit of the soul where it has all the while been residing yet we do not recognize it and it does not appear to be itself because the greatness of the darkness and sorrow prevents us from perceiving its beauty we see it without remembering it and meet it without knowing it as in a dream thus magdalen meeting her dear master did not derive any consolation from doing so for she did not think it was he but only the gardener ah what can the soul do in this state it knows not how to exist amid so many enemies and has strength only to let its will die in the will of god imitating the sweet jesus who having arrived at the height of sufferings on the cross which his father had prepared for him did as the stag does when out of breath and overtaken by the hounds it comes at last to bay the tear in its eye for thus the divine saviour approaching his death and heaving his last sigh with a loud cry and abundance of tears said father Into thy hands I commend my spirit, words which were his last, and by which the well-beloved son gave the highest proof of his love to his father. When then everything fails us, when our exhaustion is extreme, these words, this abandonment of our soul into the hands of our Saviour, cannot fail us the son recommends his spirit to his father in his last and incomparable distress and we racked in the convulsions of interior pains destitute of comfort unable to live surrender our spirit into the hands of the eternal son who is our true father and bowing down our head in acquiescence to his good pleasure resign our whole will to him chapter five means to preserve peace of soul in time of trial nothing disturbs us so much as self-love and self-esteem if our heart does not overflow with tender emotions if our mind does not teem with sublime sentiments if our soul is not inundated with exquisite sweetness we are sad If anything difficult is to be done, if any obstacle opposes our just designs, behold us in a state of precipitation to have it overcome, and we are overcome ourselves by the precipitation. Why is this so? Undoubtedly because we are too much attached to our comfort, our ease, our convenience. We would wish to say our prayers, in a region of eau de cologne and practice heroic virtue eating sugar cake but we do not consider the meek jesus prostrate on the earth sweating blood through the dreadful combat that rages in his interior between the feelings of the inferior part of his soul and the resolutions of the superior part hence it happens that when we fall into any fault of sin we are astonished troubled, and impatient. We only desire consolations, and we are unwilling to put a finger on our misery, our weakness, or our nothingness. Were we to do a few things, we would find peace. Let us have a pure intention to seek on all occasions the honor and glory of God. Let us perform the little we can for this object according to the advice of our spiritual father and leave the rest to god why should he who has god for the object of his intentions and who does what he can torment himself why should he trouble himself what has he to fear no no god is not so terrible to those who love him he is content with a little for he knows that we have not much and know that our Lord is called in Scripture the Prince of Peace, and hence wherever he is absolute master, he preserves peace. It is nevertheless true that before establishing peace in any place, he first makes war there, separating the heart and soul from their dearest and most intimate affections, such as immoderate love of oneself, confidence and complacency in oneself, and other like evils when our lord separates us from these cherished and favourite passions it seems as if he excoriated our living heart and we are filled with the most bitter sentiments we can hardly prevent our whole soul from discussing its misfortune so sensible is this separation but all this disputation of mind is not inconsistent with peace When, though almost submerged by desolation, we still keep our will resigned to that of our Lord, nailed to his divine good pleasure, and cease not from the performance of our duties, but fulfill them courageously. Of which our Lord gives us as an example in the garden, for, overwhelmed with interior and exterior affliction, he resigned his heart sweetly into his Father's will, saying, not my will but thine be done and ceased not great as was his anguish to visit and admonish his disciples to preserve peace in the midst of war and sweetness in the midst of bitterness is indeed worthy of the prince of peace from what i have just said i desire you to draw three conclusions first that we often imagine peace to be lost because we are in pain while it is not lost as may easily be known by the fact that we still wish to renounce ourselves to depend on the good pleasure of god and to fulfill the duties of our state second that we must of necessity endure interior pain while god tears away the last remnant of the old man to renovate us in the new man who is created according to God, and therefore we should not be troubled or suppose that we have fallen into disgrace with our Lord. Third, that all those thoughts which cause vexation and agitation of mind cannot proceed from God, who is the Prince of Peace, but are temptations of the enemy, and therefore to be rejected and disregarded. Humility enables us to view our imperfections undisturbed, remembering those of others. For why should we be more perfect than others? In like manner, it enables us to view the imperfections of others without trouble, remembering our own. For why should we think it strange that others have imperfections when we have them ourselves? Humility makes our heart meek, towards the perfect and the imperfect towards the former through reverence towards the latter through compassion humility helps us to receive sufferings meekly knowing that we deserve them and favors reverently knowing that we do not deserve them as to the exterior i approve of your making every day some act of humility either in word or deed i mean by words coming from the heart such as words humbling you to an inferior indeed as by performing some little office or service for the house or for individuals i would like you to read chapter forty one of the way of perfection by the blessed mother saint teresa for it will aid you to understand what i have so often said That we must not cavil too much about the practice of virtues but approach them valiantly honestly freely in a bona fide way i dread the unreasonably screwed-up spirit of restraint and melancholy no i desire you to have a great and generous heart in the service of our lord yet to be humble meek and sincere for want of this Our imperfections, which we view so narrowly, trouble us much, and are thus retained, for nothing preserves them better than anxiety and uneasiness to remove them. CHAPTER six: TO ATTAIN PERFECTION WE MUST ENDURE OUR IMPERFECTION The feast of the purification has no octave. It should continue our whole life. We must have our minds settled on two points, one, to expect the growth of weeds in our garden, the other, to have courage to witness their removal and to lend a hand ourselves. For self-love will not die as long as we live, and it is the origin of all those unwelcome productions. Man carries himself everywhere about with him, finds himself everywhere, and misery is attached to him as a shadow to a body. According to the general opinion of good people, you should suspect all those desires which cannot be followed by their effects. Such are the desires of a certain Christian perfection, which may be imagined, but cannot be practiced, and of which many can give lessons, but none a specimen. Know that the virtue of patience is that which secures us the greatest perfection. And if we must have patience with others, we must also have it with ourselves. Those who aspire to the pure love of God have more need of patience with themselves than with others. To attain perfection, we must endure our imperfection. I say we must suffer it with patience, not love or cherish it, humility is fortified in suffering we must acknowledge the truth we are miserable creatures who can scarcely do any good but god who is infinitely good is content with our little works and the preparation of our heart is agreeable to him to travel well we should apply ourselves to the present day's journey and not concern ourselves about the final one before we have finished the first remember this we sometimes amuse ourselves so much about being good angels that we hardly labor to become good men our imperfection will accompany us to the grave we cannot walk without touching the ground it is not necessary to lie or wallow there neither is it necessary to think of flying for we are so small that we have not yet got wings. We die little by little, so we must also die to our imperfections day by day. O precious imperfections, which show us our misery, exercise us in humility and self-contempt, in patience and diligence, and in spite of which God has regard to the preparation of our heart, that it may be perfect. You complain of the many imperfections and defects to be found in your life, contrary to your desire of perfection and to the purity of the love of God. I answer that anything else is impossible here below. We must carry ourselves about with us until God carries us to heaven. And so long as we carry ourselves, we shall have nothing to boast of. O God, how great a blessing it is to know our weakness and our misery. This knowledge will serve us for the remainder of our days. What does he know, says the scripture, who has not been tempted? My God, how much I desire to be humbled and confounded. Live joyful. Our Lord looks upon you and looks upon you with love and with tenderness in proportion to your weakness never permit your mind to willingly entertain thoughts to the contrary and when they come regard them not turn your eyes away from their iniquity and turn them towards god with a courageous humility to speak to him of his ineffable goodness by which he loves our poor abject fallen nature notwithstanding all its misery our imperfections need not please us we must say with the great apostle miserable man that i am who will deliver me from this body of death but they need not astonish us or take away our courage we should rather draw submission humility and diffidence in ourselves from them but not discouragement nor affliction of heart much less doubtfulness of the love of god towards us Thus God does not love our imperfections nor venial sins, but he loves us much, notwithstanding them. As the weakness and infirmity of an infant displease its mother, yet she does not cease to love it, but loves it tenderly and compassionately. So God, while he does not approve of our imperfections or venial sins, ceases not to love us tenderly, wherefore david could say with reason to our lord have mercy on me o lord for i am weak we must have patience and not expect to cure in one day the many bad habits that we have contracted through the little care we have taken of our spiritual health god has indeed cured some persons speedily in an instant without a vestige of their malady remaining as in the case of magdalene who in a moment was changed from a sink of corruption into a fountain of perfection and was never afterwards troubled but this same god left for a considerable time after their conversion in many of his dear disciples marks of their former evil inclinations and for all their greater good witness the blessed saint peter who after his vocation was often surprised by imperfections, and once felt miserably. Solomon makes mention of an animal as insolent as the servant who suddenly becomes mistress. There is a great reason to fear that the soul, which for a long time has served its passions and affections, would become proud and vain if in a moment it were made perfect mistress of them we must only acquire this ascendancy little by little and step by step it has engaged the saints for years and scores of years we must if we please have patience with everyone and particularly with ourselves have a little patience and you will see that all will go well for the dear saviour of our souls has not given us those inflamed desires of serving him without intending to provide some opportunity for doing so. He postpones the hour of the accomplishment of your holy desires, only to make you find it happier. For the loving heart of our Redeemer arranges and adjusts the events of this world to the greater good of those who undeservedly devote themselves to his love. It will come, then, the happy hour you desire, THE DAY WHICH PROVIDENCE HAS NAMED IN THE SECRETS OF ITS MERCY. AND THEN, WITH A THOUSAND CONSOLATIONS, YOU WILL UNFOLD YOUR INTERIOR BEFORE THE DIVINE GOODNESS. THE ROCKS WILL BE CHANGED INTO WATER, THE SERPENT INTO A ROD, AND ALL THE THORNS OF YOUR HEART INTO ROSES, sweet scented ROSES, TO RECREATE YOUR MIND WITH THEIR DELICIOUS PERFUME it is true that our faults which while in the heart are thorns on coming forth by a voluntary accusation are converted into roses and as our malice raises them in the soul so the goodness of the holy spirit drives them out there is nothing without trouble in this world we must therefore compose our will in such a manner as not to seek for our convenience or if we do seek for it TO ACCOMMODATE OURSELVES TO THOSE INCONVENIENCES WHICH ARE INSEPARABLY ATTACHED TO EVERY CONVENIENCE. WE HAVE NO WINE WITHOUT LEES. WE MUST THEN EXAMINE WHETHER IT IS BETTER TO HAVE THORNS IN OUR GARDEN WHILE WE HAVE ROSES THERE than TO HAVE NO ROSES SO AS TO HAVE NO THORNS. I PRAY OUR SWEET SAVIOR TO POUR HIS HOLY UNCTION OVER YOU, THAT YOU MAY REPOSE TRANQUILLY AND SECURELY ON HIM o god i recommend to thee this poor heart of ours comfort and strengthen it that it may the better serve thee for such is the motive of our request the heart is the lamb of holocaust which we must offer to god it should always be in the best condition possible it is the bed of the spouse we should sprinkle it with flowers console then this poor heart AND GIVE IT AN INCREASE OF JOY AND PEACE, THAT IT MAY THE BETTER SERVE ITS LORD. ALAS, WHAT ELSE HAVE WE TO DESIRE THAN THIS? GLORY BE TO GOD, GOD OR NOTHING. FOR ALL THAT IS NOT GOD IS NOTHING, OR WORSE THAN NOTHING. LET US ALWAYS KEEP WALKING, THOUGH WE ADVANCE SLOWLY, YET WE SHALL MAKE MUCH WAY your weakness you say impedes your progress for it hinders you from entering into yourself or approaching to god this is certainly speaking ill god leaves you thus for his glory and for your greater advantage he wishes your misery to become the throne of his mercy and your impotence to be the seat of his omnipotence where did god place the divine strength of samson unless in his hair the very weakest part of him let no one blame her who would wish to serve god according to his holy pleasure and not according to sensible consolations beware of falling into any kind of distrust for the celestial goodness does not permit you to meet with those falls in order to abandon you but to humble you and to make you hold more firmly by the hand of god's mercy you please me exceedingly by continuing your exercises in the midst of the aridities and interior languors which have seized on your soul for since we wish to serve god only for love and that the services we render to him in the midst of aridity are more acceptable to him than those performed in the flow of consolation we should also on our part endeavor to be more attached to them At least with our superior will and though according to self-love tenderness may be sweeter yet according to the views of god dryness may be more profitable as dry meats are more useful to dropsical persons than moist ones though they prefer the latter never permit your mind to think too much on its miseries leave them to god he will do something with them Hardly bestow a thought on the share self-love has in these considerations. Its sallies are to be neglected. To disown them two or three times a day is sufficient. We must not push them out with strength of arm, but merely say one little no. Have great courage, and take a long breath. Our enemy is a great clamorer. You need not be disturbed, for he cannot hurt you laugh at him, and let him go. This treatment completely kills him. He has often bawled around the saints with a wonderful hubbub, and what came of it, unless that they are now at rest in the place which he, a miserable wretch, lost. End of Book Two, Chapter Six